Good morning. It is Tuesday, October 4th. Your guy Kyle's leading it off. We're one day away from the conference season to end all conference seasons, and we're hanging out with our friend Steve Greenfield. That's a good way to put it, the conference season to end all conference seasons. I'm because you know what? what? We're going to rope NADA into that, even though, like, we're going to, that's the season, right? Even though it's in, like, next year in January. It really is. Well, here's what's close. crazy is right now, starting tomorrow, Wednesday the 5th, NAMAD starts on the 5th. As it rolls out, there'll be a ton of people going into Vegas for driving sales. Driving sales rolls out on Monday and picks up digital dealer again. So it's like <laughs> if you really want to go hard, you can go Miami to Vegas and go like 11 straight days or something ridiculous. of conference Oh, my. Life. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. And then in just like a week or so from then, it's Palm Beach for the modern retailing conference and on and on and on well we'll be at namad uh if you are going to be there make sure you come and see us and say hi uh we're gonna, going to be uh, leading a paddle uh, with alex fetter and perry watson and alex flores and it's just going to be a great time namad knows how to put on an event so uh i'm looking forward it's wheels up super early tomorrow morning for you and i yeah yeah no uh i'm, I'm excited my wife was like this is a long flight for you because typically we're like you know the the regular east coast you're so spoiled cities, and i'm you're spoiled. so spoiled yeah. from nashville you're like right in the center of the east coast direct flights everywhere kyle's it's like so i don't know good. i'm in syracuse so i'm always like well i think i could get there this way kyle's like i can leave at 8 9 9 30 10 15 right yes exactly no, no i'm no. also excited because we're gonna get to see my good buddy duran cage is gonna be there and uh just so everyone knows that's a great mini segue i won't even play the button but it's a mini segue to today uh we we are hosting the conversation with duran cage on auto collabs so uh if you want to check out auto collabs you can find it anywhere where your podcasts are also i think right around noon today eastern we'll be streaming that on all the platforms the youtube the linkedin the facebook all all the things all the things well we have a very special guest for you in just a minute here uh steve greenfield is in the green room we named it that just for him uh but first we want to talk a little story Uh, i love this story i read it this morning and it just felt good as someone who likes to go out and shop in a store brick and mortar retailers are coming back from the pandemic with surprising strength as recent numbers reveal the u.s vacancy rate fell to 6.1 percent in the second quarter which is actually the lowest level in 15 years um while while rents are actually very high right now so i mean uh the shopping centers in the quarter were 16 percent higher actually uh this is according to uh the real estate firm whom we all know cushman and wakefield so i mean this seems like a little bit of a turnaround story this this is like it's every time i see something like this i think about like the times where amazon is like we're gonna do brick and mortar and then it's like you know every every, and and all the all all of the dealers out there like see see told you so Told you so, which is perfect. But, but <laughs> yeah, I was I saying that too. <laughs> you know, you know what's interesting? Uh, we had um, Jeff Glansman at uh, a SoduCon a few weeks ago, and he was telling me about some of the research that he's doing around Gen Z actually preferring the 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 brick and mortar retail experience. And I think that it's interesting. You know, as like the prevailing new generation into retail goes so a lot of the rest of you know actually i was talking to chris our writer yesterday was saying like ah millennials are kind of getting out of the like everyone thinks like millennials and it's going into this gen y gen z and and that's kind of the prevailing retail mindset and so mm-hmm. if that generation is headed back to the brick and mortar it makes sense that 
like the the entire retail generation right now is saying that's a good thing and i think retailers are saying hey we're gonna press in recognize that this might be a trend and go and fill those shops again um you know it's uh it's it's pretty wild because for for the u.s we have more retail space than any other country actually in this it cited that that the U.S. has 22 square feet of retail, uh, real, retail real estate per person, which is more than any other country, um, and double the per capita square footage of France and the U.K. and nearly eight times China's rates. So, you know, I like I think recognizing that this is a reality, that this push is happening, and that other retailers are trying to make quality brick and mortar spaces is something that we can think about as auto retailers saying, okay, if everyone's pressing back in, what are they doing with those retail spaces? Not just, oh, they're back. And so our retail space is going to be great, but there's probably some interesting things. I haven't really looked into that on what retailers are actually doing with the space. I mean, so there was a big retail space glut and, you know, the last 10, 15 years, the digital revolution happened. Um, Lots of businesses got shuttered. Retail space construction came to a very, very almost halt actually which is why it seems like we're reaching this new equilibrium where where it allows us to kind of hit the reset button and like you said imagine what what is the need of the new retail space it is probably something the new retail space definitely makes consideration for the click and mortar model right a lot more pickup windows a lot more like curbside drop off space um maybe a lot more even like in store ordering you know maybe for things that aren't in stores i haven't seen that yet but you think of how this applies to dealers um, I like your point about Gen Z. Like, finally, millennials are going to have a kids these days moment. And that's when they're going to remember. That's when they're going to realize it's over. See, I was born in 79, so right on the border between Gen X and Gen Y. I benchmark as a Gen Xer. And, like, I have to say, like, I don't know if it's because I have, like, Gen Z kids. But I definitely think in similar ways as, like, some of these Gen Z mindsets. And one of them is, like, liking to go out to the store. Well, it was it kind of blew my mind as you as as we are gearing you know, up like, again back to Asotacon as we are gearing up for that. Miles is on a call with a few of us. He works for us and is also your son. And he's six. He's and, sixteen, and he's Just sixteen. So, you know. so in that in that kind of generation, and he goes, he doesn't. He says, "Hey, Dad, can we stop by the Nike store to grab a pair of shoes before the conference?" Not like, can I jump on Amazon That's to right. check out the new? You know, and you like, know what? On the way home, interesting move. Well, on the way home too, he's like, "Can we go buy what's that micro center, which is like I don't know, it's like a Best Buy for people that build their own computers and stuff." But he wanted to go into the store. All the stuff is available online. When we walked in, he knew about all the stuff. He's like, "Yeah, but I want I want to see it. I want to ask somebody a question. I want to see what the." Uh, so I don't know. Maybe maybe uh, maybe retailers are onto something. Hey, well, speaking of retailers that might be onto something. Segway. And maybe in the opposite direction. I'm not sure. But uh, we are really excited to talk uh, with our friend Steve Greenfield this morning about his uh, his auto intel report that comes out every single month. And then he has a, a weekly email to go over kind of the industry's transactions. If you don't currently get the auto intel report, you absolutely should at automotiveventures.com. You can find the link in the show notes or uh, you can spell it right in the old URL bar, but it is a free resource. And let me tell you, it's a resource every single month. Uh, but he uh, wrote a lot about this month. 
kind of the agency model and the, the conversations that he's having. So uh, welcome, Steve Greenfield, to the show. Thanks, guys. It's good to be back. How are uh, you, sir? Good, 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 good morning. Sounds like we're all in for some uh, travel coming up here in the next couple of weeks, huh? Where, 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 where will you be appearing? Uh, so um, I'm not at NAMAD, although I wish... Um, well, there'll be a surprise at, at driving sales. I'm going to get more involved with driving sales. So you'll see that oh. starting Sunday evening out there All in right. Vegas. And um, uh, in the meantime, I've got a trip to Boston between now and then. And then, um, but yeah, I, I'll be there, obviously, at NADA, as you mentioned. And I, I'm going to go out for a day to, um, to Digital Dealer. Uh, I'm actually going to come home first and then go back out there. Uh, otherwise, there's a lot of time in Vegas. That's a long trip. Yeah, I know. It's it a, is. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, 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 yeah. You got you to pick your battles in life. And I'm like, I'd rather be back for like another day in my own bed. You know, right. Vegas. Actually, that's the best way to put it. Vegas does seem like a battle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, 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 did, thought... I did the driving sales through uh, all the way through last year. I went last Saturday <laughs> to Thursday. Oh yeah, that's tough. It, it was. I was done. I was yeah. out by the end. My my favorite thing is like taking a red eye home from Vegas, believe it or not, and just looking at people, the people that are on that plane. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing to me to always juxtapose going to Vegas and watching the people, the energy, you know, <laughs> and then watching people like get on a red eye to go home, and it's like. They are done. Like, more people yeah, have sunglasses. Yeah. More people have sunglasses on the plane on the flight yeah. home. For yeah. sure, it's uh, and people wearing their pajamas and stuff. And I'm like, ooh, yeah, it's oh, rough. Wow. <laughs> That's anyway, great. I need to do that just for the people watching. We just start day. taking photos. Hey, this would be a new series for you guys to consider. Let's there just like go. take video at Las Vegas Airport only on red eyes. Oh my gosh, that would be, you know, that would like be a whole it's like, YouTube channel. It's like people of Walmart. It would be the same thing, right? It would be yeah. like red people eyes. People of Vegas, Vegas, red eyes. Yeah. Red eye return from Vegas, right? There you go. Done. That's Done. so good. Well, hey, let's get into it because uh, I, I'd really love, you know, just to explore this together because I, you know, over the last, especially 90 to 120 days, you know, since Jim Farley kind of like, shocked the world with a lot of his comments over the last uh, uh over the last few months and and that's really been leading a lot of the conversations when it comes to agency model direct to consumer how how OEMs are going to interact with uh retailing and the franchise dealer um and and so those conversations have bubbled into a lot of other manufacturers a lot of CEOs and presidents have been kind of asked the question and put on um put on the bubble there um, but you, uh, I, I actually mentioned to my wife this morning, I said, you know, I think Steve Greenfield took what, what is, is my like term of the quarter, which is a measured approach, uh, to the agency model in, in this. Um, so I'd kind of like to get like your overview feedback for those that maybe haven't read it yet on like, you know, what, what your measured approach to what we're seeing on the horizon is right now, as it, as it pertains to OEMs looking at the potential of an agency model. Sure. Yeah. And working backwards, I mean, the, the, the summary would be, you know, shame on any of us that aren't paying attention to what's going on, especially in these international markets mm. um, to, to see those as a precursor of how things might play out in the U S. But then the flip side is, as I say, it's like, we shouldn't be acting like the sky is falling here because um, luckily enough, we've got guys like Jim Farley who are signaling what other OEMs are thinking. And we can, we can see that and then we can have discussions around what's prudent and what makes sense, right? So um, I guess, uh, and then just taking a step back from that, I would say there isn't an OEM out there, and I think I'm fair to generalize, who isn't looking at the current situation and saying, wow, this is good. 
I mean, dealers are definitely saying this is good. When you can sell every car at MSRP, and you don't have to stock inventory, and you can back back off of marketing costs, and you know sell more cars with fewer people. That's all really good. Less costs, you know, equal to more revenue and much more profitability, both on the front and back end of the car. But you, know, the OEMs are observing this too and saying, "Oh, this is a pretty interesting experiment, right?" It's like so if we if we kind of artificially limit supply, what happens to the whole supply chain? Well, the manufacturer makes more money. The dealer makes more money, and consumers aren't really pushing back. They're saying, "Okay, I, I I can accept the fact that I have to wait for a car now." And you know, while the OEMs don't really want the dealers to be charging more than MSRP, you know, we are hearing more from OEMs that, "Hey, look, in the future, every car will be sold at MSRP, and there won't be any negotiation." So you, you can't really blame the manufacturers. And then you know, the the other thing that I, I think I mentioned in the article this 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 uh, month is like, obviously. The, the the manufacturers are, lo are looking at Tesla taking market share now, now that they are profitable. Looking at their economics and saying, "Oh, you know, they got consultants chirping in their ears saying you can save between like four percent to eight percent if you go direct." So the manufacturers, obviously in the U.S., say, "Well, you know, we can push harder into something that's more like an agency model and redefine what the franchise dealer's role is in markets like Australia." In South Africa and Europe, they can't, they can't do that here because of the franchise laws and how they protect the dealers. But um, they'll, they'll, they're, they're, they're trying to figure that out and push. And as you said, I mean, even the news we saw two weeks ago from Farley about how they're going to have the dealers by the end of October elect self-elect into one of three buckets. Right. It's either dealers that are only going to sell ice for the next two years. They're going to sell EVs, but kind of like have a foot on each side of the line because those dealers are only going to be able to sell up to 35 EVs a year, 25 to two, two a month. And then you've got, you know, the, the, the dealers that are like saying, no, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to make the financial commitment to be all in and, and, and be able to sell both. But um, we'll see where the dust settles. It'll be very interesting to see out of like 3,100 dealers, you know, here we are, you know, 20, 26, what the percentages are. What the yeah, percentages are. Yeah. And you know, it's funny, I, I was visiting a, a, a group um, uh, two weeks ago, right, right, right at the end of, of that, the Friday, and um, th three brothers, all of whom have Ford stores. And I was asking them, I said, "This is interesting." So, say, say each of you elect to go into one of these three buckets, and then you all decide, you know, a year from now to sell your stores. What's what's the valuation for those three stores? Right. Which one's worth more? Ah, yeah, yeah. So you you also think that like wow. if you're playing a long game and you're in a rural area. And you don't really believe there's going to be much of an appetite for EVs in your local market. You might go down one path if you have no intent of selling. But if you are a dealer where like, ah, if a good offer comes in in the next like two years, I'd be willing to sell. You also have to like think, you know, game theory, you know, like chess and say, yep. well, maybe I just ha had better ma make the short term pain to position my dealership to be most attractive if my intent is actually to sell it. Let me let me uh, level set for a second because I know some of our viewers might not understand the full dynamic of what we're talking about. So dealership model right now is where dealers get inventory from the OEM. They can price it how they want. They can sell it how they want within a pretty broad level of restrictions. The direct-to-consumer model is like Tesla where the product is sold right from the manufacturer to the consumer with no one in the middle. The agency model is kind of Goldilocks. It is where the dealer stays in place but becomes an agent earning, I guess, what would be similar to a commission for mm -hmm. selling the vehicle. The OEM owns the inventory. They get it to the dealer when it's time to sell or a little bit before and give them some inventory. But the dealer doesn't finance the inventory. The dealer just basically gets a transactional 
um, a transactional amount of money for um, delivering the vehicle. I just wanted to level set that for, for just a second. Um, you know, one, one thing that you said in rural areas, we covered a story yesterday that all the OEMs or the, the big three in Detroit are leaning in on um, big truck diesel technology, saying that um, that is one of the most profitable sectors of their businesses. And the, that sector has also received exceptions from even California. And they set up, you know, what was it, Kyle? They said more profits generation, generated from heavy duty trucks than like uh, Expedia. <laughs> it was like some kind of crazy. <laughs> right? Oh, it was unbelievable. Right. More more than Southwest Airlines, Marriott and other Fortune 500 companies. So like just the truck segment alone is 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 doing so that from the world. I just I thought of that because you talked about the world dealer and, um, you know, the com complexities there or the decisions that make there. OK, get back to what you're saying. I would just wanted to kind of level set. No, that, that's great. Sure lose Let me riff off of what you're saying, because maybe maybe I need to go build up this diagram. But I, I kind of like the way you put it. Right. So think of this as a continuum. Right. You can set the dial wherever you want. And the dial on one side could be, like, as I mentioned in the article uh, this month, it could be like Warby Parker or Casper. You know, we're selling glasses and we're selling um, uh, mattresses directly to the consumer. There isn't a retail outlet. In their case, it's kind of interesting because both have like a hybrid retail outlet. But let's take, you know, direct sales, no intermediary, et cetera. On, on, the, on the far left side would be current model. And like you said, in the middle, you know, the agency model is somewhere in the middle. It's a little squishy, right? But it can be defined in, in Europe. And Australia, how it's playing out is like literally like the dealers are having their franchise agreements replaced with an agent agreement, literally. And they're being right. told, hey, look, you're going to make some margin on the car sale, but you're not going to be responsible for holding inventory, to Paul's point, nor marketing costs any longer. You know, we're, we, the OEM, is going to have the relationship with the consumer. They're going to configure a car. They're going to order a car. When the car gets produced, it's going to be um, shipped to your dealership and you're going to be the point of delivery. You are going to be responsible for servicing the car after after sale but um you know it really does redefine and then you know going forward uh, to your point paul the, the the dealer doesn't have the ability to market up or discount all cars get sold at the same price nationally there's no more price competition and it's an interesting experiment to think through um but you know the, the, that that reality that won't, won't won't become reality here in the u.s that it'll be more of a hybrid because of the state franchise laws the, the dealers can't cannot terminate the franchise agreements with the dealers here in the US and replace them with an agency agreement. So we see things like what Ford's doing. You know, I, I mentioned what Volkswagen has announced with the new Scout brand. There will be new brands that, that emerge and then they, they won't be constrained, if that's the right word, by the existing franchise agreements. They'll be able to redefine how they want to work with these dealer points. It's it's an interesting there's a there's a couple things here. One is you keep going back to the marketing costs. And I think one, one of the things where they've already recognized uh, a lot of profit gain is reducing their marketing costs when it comes to rebates and incentives. And I think you actually mentioned that. But that's a that's a massive gain that they've already had. It's probably somewhere in the like five to eight percent of of margin already per per retail yes. and and there's another four to eight percent these consultants are saying that there that, that there is on the other side and then they're seeing the dealers take that four to eight percent and increase with it and this is what's interesting to me like all vehicles sold at, at msrp um but then they're setting the standard for that and we're seeing companies like tesla go from you know $3,000 a mark up to $12,000 in difference in, in MSRP. So, you know, I, I think that, 
one one comment that I saw on a LinkedIn was like, "Hey, are they going to refund all of those losses that I took as a dealer over right. years to get right. these vehicles across the line so that they could gain market share?" You know, when does market share get reduced? I guess is the question because of like lack of intention on a particular DMA or SOA, depending on what the, how the how the manufacturer looks at it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we're, we're in this artificially uh, inflated profit bubble right now. There's a, an article from Automotive News in like January 2019 that says the average franchise dealer lost money last year, right. 2018, four years ago. And then if you look back, you know, 10 years, 12 years, there were about five years there where a dealer lost money, to your point, Kyle, on their new car operations. Yep. This wasn't very long ago. I remember articles, you know, in the mainstream press around, you know, dealers that were selling Hondas and for every Honda, they lost money. So they had to make it up oh, on yeah. service or accessories or something, right? Service, it finance, actually, and accessories. It yep. actually forced dealers to become much more creative with driving, you know, F and I as a profit center, frankly, because they weren't making money. It was like, you know, the whole Gillette thing, we'll give away the handles for free and sell, sell the, the, the razors. But um, I think it, it is interesting. We can't lose track of like how things have been in, in the short term history in automotive. And, um, you know, one of the things I think I wrap up with this, this month is the fact that, you know, historically there's been this perverse incentive for a manufacturer to run their factories at full production. They've got, you know, they've got labor, they've got fixed costs, et cetera. When you're running a factory, you try to squeeze out that one incremental um, unit, even if you really don't make any profit on it, you make a marginal profit, as they say. And, you know, we'll get back to there, especially in a world where, you know, there's like millions of cars that didn't go into fleet. And that the manufacturers are going to be like, oh, well, hey, if I produce extra cars, the fleet channel, rental car companies, commercial fleet, will absorb those cars at full MSRP. They're going to be really profitable for me. And um, it's going to be like a temptation, I think, that's going to be really hard. And then the other the other thing is interesting is like, you know, we're, we're, we're living in this delusional like uh, paradigm, if that's the right term, where every OEV that's come out in the last 18 months has been a hit. We had the Hummer. Right. We had the F-150 Lightning, we had the Mach-E, et cetera. Well, I, I read in Automotive News, I think last week, there was like 150 new EV models coming out in the next 18 months. They can't all be They hit. won't all be hit. So <laughs> what'll happen? Some are going to blow up. Right. <laughs> yeah, so, so to Paul's point, Paul's point, you know, the, the, the manufacturers are believing that with this, we'll put in air quotes, agency model, they're going to take the risk on their balance sheet of the inventory. So the dealer, you know, right now, the way life works in automotive land is when the car gets to the end of the, the, the production line, the new car, it's wholesaled to the dealer. Yep. The dealer has it on their balance their sheet. Margin. And then yep. that's why the dealer can discount it because they own the inventory at that point, yep. the new car. In this new, in this new, new, new schema, the, the OEM will keep those cars on their balance sheet. They'll own those cars, which is great if every car sells in advance and is hot. But once the cars start backing up and the OEMs are, oh, I've got stinkers that aren't selling, more and then the and Wall more Street analysts, marketing. yeah, and that's the, the Wall Street analysts start looking at them and say, "What's this new line item on your 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 P and L, your your balance sheet that says, you know, what is this inventory, and why are you marking it down?" And it's going to take one quarter where a manufacturer says, "Well, well, those cars aren't worth as much as they were when we produced them." Yeah. Oh, so that's take, a depreciating asset. Depreciating on your asset. Sheet? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> take billions of dollars of write-offs, and then suddenly their stock will get hammered, and then suddenly it's like, "Well, maybe this wasn't a really good idea because." You know, now we're taking inventory risk and Wall Street has no appetite for us to do so. Yeah, we, it's funny. We were right. just talking about that the other week. Um, we were on the phone with the dealer and, and Kyle was like, you know, well, the dealer profit because they were saying, are we going to get back to inventory? And Kyle and I are like, yes, like without human nature. Period. And Kyle was just like, 
they show revenue by wholesaling units. So when the appetite is like, we need to see more revenue, they're, they're going to like the, the temptation to push more inventory once the capacity is there to the dealer. It's unavoidable. It's unavoidable. Right. Yeah. I, I, my my question is, what happens when the district reps are no longer salespeople? What are they going to do with their? Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe that's part of the cost that they'll take out. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it, you did mention headcount in the report. You said, you know, the opportunity to cut headcount is a big allure, especially in an environment where headcount is awfully hard to come by. And so you think about like this, this like labor shortage that's very real and it doesn't, it's not going to get any better. Right. You start to think when you start, like you said, like game theory, like, well, what element does that bring? To the business if it's going to be hard um to, to fill those positions anyway like does that is that part of the equalizer i don't know maybe there'll be tesla robots instead <laughs> maybe yeah exactly <laughs> well steve we have had an absolute I, there's like eight other topics that i wish we could explore oh, and maybe talk we'll for an hour do soon we could talk for an hour on this and uh i'm sure that uh if people aren't if you aren't watching or listening grab the auto intel report follow steve on linkedin uh watch him as he kind of makes the tour or if he's coming to a city near you grab breakfast or lunch with him or if uh, you're on a red eye to. flight home from las vegas create your new youtube channel and you'll be famous so steve <laughs> thanks for joining us today for everyone else that's getting in the dirt remember the agency model isn't here today so today we get to serve customers retail vehicles service vehicles and get the job done so get out there and Get the job done.